ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present the Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of the Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. It's Joe George, assistant to the regional manager behind the glass, and it is a Monday edition of of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. I love Monday shows coming off of an NFL Sunday. They are fun. You can react to the local team, how they played, and get into all the NFL news. Plenty to get to. It's a mailbag Monday, too. I believe. What did you learn from the college football weekend? We hand out game balls. We do the whole thing. Not as great of Monday when the local team loses, though. Houston Texans go into Carolina. The storylines, C.J. Stroud versus Bryce Young. You had the top three picks of the 2023 NFL draft on the football field. A game you expected the Texans to win. They were favored on the road. Above 500 if they do. Playoff race if they do. They hand the Carolina Panthers their first victory of the year. Ugly game all around from the Houston Texans. Yeah, it really was. You know, I guess if you're not a true week-to-week NFL purist and fan, you might have expected a shootout and a whole lot of passing and a whole lot of points because of the fact that the top two picks were quarterbacks. And we said that was the sidebar to the whole game. Everybody was watching those two guys closely. But it was just a sludge fest. I mean, it was just mucking it up and not a lot of scoring. And there were some opportunities there for the Texans. But overall, you know, you had to be a true fan to tough that whole thing out. But yet it still looked like the Texans were going to win going into the fourth quarter. And then... I don't want to say all hell broke loose, but it just didn't go their way. And before you know it, that a game you're supposed to win that we had penciled in as a win turns out to be a loss. And now you're looking at instead of being four and three and looking like you're going to be, you know, still in the running for the playoffs. And it's obviously early. Now you're kind of three and four and not where you wanted to be. It wasn't. Uh, I thought the Texans, I they play poorly. Like mm-hmm. there's there's no other way around it. Like they were off on all fronts. Like Bobby Slowick is taking some grief today for his play calling. Rightfully slow. I thought Bobby Slowick had a bad game. I didn't think he had called a very good game. It's almost like, okay, we have more talent than Carolina. We're going to roll out of bed, and we're going to beat them with our basic stuff. We're going to be super vanilla and just beat them. They weren't. They, they didn't. They weren't. Like we, we sleep on Carolina's defense a little bit. Yes, they've struggled. Yes, they were winless before yesterday. They still have a top-half NFL defense that can get after you a little bit. Uh, Bryce Young hasn't had a tremendous start to his NFL career. He's still the number one pick in the NFL draft. Should he have been the top quarterback taken? There's some debates from different fan bases, but he was still the number one pick. Carolina still has some players. They still have some guys. They, ha- they were coming off a bye. They were desperate for a win. They were at home. They changed offensive coordinators. Uh, And neither team I thought played well. I thought that the Houston Texans were off on all fronts. The amount of penalties. We haven't really seen that from the Houston Texans this year. They got penalized 10 times for 70 yards. That's not the calling card of D'Amico Ryans. It's not what I expect whenever I turn the Houston Texans on television. The turnover battle can sometimes be random, and there was only one turnover in that game yesterday. But you gift-wrapped a field goal to Carolina uh, on that the the Andrew Beck fumble. You gave them three points. You go back to like the first uh, the final drive that Carolina had in the first half that led to the uh, to the touchdown. You're off the field. You're off the field, but you have a defensive holding. You have a penalty. Uh, something kept Carolina on the field. You gave Carolina that game. Houston's a better team, not by a lot, not by much, 
But Houston's a better team than Carolina. I thought the Texans flat out gift wrapped that game to the Panthers. Well, and, and it was a microcosm of the whole game, the way the game ended, because you had multiple penalties, three penalties on the final field goal that made it a, just literally a chip shot to at least making it so, somewhat of a challenge because of the fact that he had missed the extra point earlier. But it was, you know, even on the plays that were leading to the plays, right? Like the, the play where where Shaq is is downfield yeah. when he doesn't have to be, and that was a big chunk play of 20-some yards that really would have, could have possibly turned into points, and instead you're behind the eight ball. You're I going, think they still scored on the possession. But I was that, trying to remember. They still scored on that possession, but it was those type of things yeah. that cost you the entire game. Like C.J. Stroud, mediocre game. We'll get to that later. The running game was... Probably the best it's looked, but still you're averaging less than four yards per carry. But like, if that's what? the best it's looked, that's not very good. Well, the biggest positive about the running game is Boone should probably get some more touches too because when he gets the ball, he he gets you some extra yardage. I didn't think he had any chance of getting that first down on the yeah, catch. Yeah, that was a good play. And he got the first down. And, you know, and when he, when he was running between the tackles, he was running hard. And you at least know that you've got another running back that you might be able to utilize. But, again, I understand, like you said, about Slowick too because I think they just force-fed the run a little too much. But overall, look, we, we set you up for the fact that this was going to happen at some point. When you were riding high, when everybody thought that this was going to be just the upward, you know, the, the, the upward journey towards success that was not going to have any hiccups, this was a hiccup that we said was going to come at some point when you least expected it. And this was the game that I warned everybody about when we were talking about this, going, as long as you win the games you're supposed to win on the schedule, it's an easy schedule, and it should lead you to where you're competing for a playoff spot. But if you slip up in a game you're supposed to win, now you're going to have to win a game that you weren't supposed to win later on. Yeah, I don't know if you still need to win a game that you weren't supposed to. Like, it depends on how you're looking at it. The way that you look at it, I, I get what you're saying, and, and I, I, I understand. I, I'm still looking at those three-game pockets. So you lost the first game of this three-game pocket out of the out of the bye, but you can still win the next two. So I'm not giving up on the playoff hope for the Houston oh, Texans no, uh, because e- even though you lost this game, and I saw some people going as far to say how embarrassing this loss was for the Houston Texans. I would not call it an embarrassing game. I, I think it was a disappointing game. I thought they peed all over themselves. They lost what, sh- what was a very much winnable game. They lost it more than Carolina won it. You're a three-point favorite. You're on the road against another NFL team. I'm not going to go as far to say it was an embarrassing I performance think it was embarrassing because everything you just said, they peed down their leg, all the penalties. Like, they sure. just didn't play good football. And honestly, I hated pretty much, like, 90% of this game. Every single time something great would happen, Will Anderson gets home, he gets his second sack of the season, penalty. Like, oh, the yeah. garbage at the end of the game Will with Anderson, Javier Thomas. He leaves the world in almost sacks, that Will Anderson. Yeah, he does. He is the greatest in the world at almost sacks. I despise the way that they decided to use Tank Dell in this game. I liked it early. And early then, had him all over the field. Yeah, liked it then, early. Like, where's the... Where's like his job as a receiver? Actually, like they have no Kinda answer. Went away for him. They have no answer for dropping eight in coverage. Yeah. Like the, it's just, it's not an embarrassing game. Like like you would see like like what the Dolphins did earlier this year when they got smoked by the Bills. Like it's not to that level. But coming off of a bye week to have that many penalties and that many mistakes, and then your offense to be that flat, like it's just. That's a bad football team. You're supposed to be better than them. Yeah, but you, you are. But you didn't get your doors blown off, right? That's I mean, the thing. That's the thing, right? If you'd have gotten just absolutely lambasted, then you'd have said, oh, boy. I mean, this is what you know we were afraid of when the season, when the season got going was the fact that they just weren't there yet and one of these was going to come. But it wasn't like a clunker stinker. It was just one where you just kind of kept running in the mud. You just... 
you, you, you'd take a couple steps forward and then something would happen to both of you guys mentioned. We all mentioned different plays at different points of the game where it just right when you got a little momentum going, it sets you back. The one thing that kept just glaring at me the entire game was, and it wasn't because Robert Woods wasn't in the game, but if this team truly had a wide receiver one with all the other receivers that they have and the way that even Noah Brown was making catches and, and, and he was getting everybody involved, I think it could be a true, uh, literally a true difference maker for this squad. And, and that's what you have to look forward to down the road because it ain't coming. I don't think anybody's coming through that door between now and the trade deadline or any time during the season. Yeah, to me, it was like, does the wide receiver one help? Obviously. Obviously, it does. Nico's been fine this year. Tank's been fine this year. Maybe you didn't have the Robert Wood security blanket, but you should in a Dalton Schultz. To me, it was more about the play calling. Like you're you're running in predictable rundowns, you're throwing in predictable passing downs, and that was my biggest takeaway. What was your biggest takeaway of the Texans game? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. The game plan was so conservative offensively. I, I think that they thought they could go into Carolina, roll out of bed, coast to victory, and they were they were just super sluggish. They were a beat off like. C.J. Stroud was a little bit off. Uh, you mentioned the Shaq Mason penalty. That didn't cost him a ton at the end of the day because they still scored on that drive. Mm-hmm. But in the moment, it's like, okay, you wiped off a huge play. That's just great. The running game like showed some glimpses of being as good as they've looked all year, which is a very, very low bar, but still not quite good enough. I thought the defense played well. The offense put them in some bad spots. But... A beat off, you allow the final drive in Carolina to kick a game-winning field goal. Uh, you allow that that touchdown at the end of the first half, where you could have shut out Carolina in the first half. A penalty keeps them on the field whenever you should have been off the field. The offense on the field, four minutes to play. Let's see if you can get a four-minute offense and get some points before the locker room. I, I, the penalties were, I mean, something that we haven't really seen that the Texans do a whole lot. They were off. And it's not what you expected for a team that seemed like they were on the rise, right? Like, they entered the bye beating New Orleans. Okay, good. Upward trajectory. You have the bye to self-scout. You have the bye to get ready. And they show up flat. They show up flat. They pee all over themselves, and they lose a game that they, quite frankly, should have won. Yeah, and they needed to win. I mean, because of the fact that it's not going to be, at the end of the day, something that's going to be a make-or-break game as it sits right now. It might. But at the end of the, I was just going to say, but at the end of the year, you don't want to look back at this game and go, well, there's one that got away. And it wasn't like we got beat by 30. We just let it get away. We just didn't do enough to win a game that was right there in the palm of our hand that we knew we were supposed to win. Maybe they walked into that game believing their own clippings and thinking that they were going to win that game. But this is the NFL where everybody gets paid. No one was going to roll over and play dead for them. And like you said, they needed to get their first win. And you know that they were geared up for Bryce Young to be able to impress. And look, for everything said, and as much as we love C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young didn't look bad. He didn't have hardly any time to throw yesterday. But you can see why everybody was enamored with him coming out yeah. because he could still make all the throws. He, he looked good yesterday. I thought he did. Uh, 713-780-ESPN, our HRMP listener line. What's your biggest takeaway for the Texans losing yesterday? A game that they should have won. It's not even a, like woulda, coulda, shoulda. They should have won that football game yesterday, and they got in their own way. 713-780-3776, HRMP listener line we'll hand out game balls i believe a mailbag monday car wreck of the day so much to get to today uh 713-780-3776 we're on the twitch twitch.tv slash espn 97.5 he's a pac-man joel he's a joe george radio i'm a jeremy branham it's the killer bees on espn 97.5 and espn 92.5 hey before we go to the break tell you about my good friend doc linville doc linville is the best in the business at the neograph procedure the neograph procedure if you're not familiar 
is getting your hair back by taking your own hair where you're never going to lose it, and genetically you're never going to lose it on the sides and the back of your head, and putting some of it where you need it most. Maybe it's on your hairline in front. Maybe it's on that baboon's butt that keeps rearing its ugly head on the back of yours, and you don't like the way it looks. He can fix it for you with the Neograft procedure. It's not sprays and creams and foams that mask the problem. Nope, it's actually taking your hair, putting it where you need it most, getting more coverage, a better overall appearance, and getting you more self-confidence along the way. It's phenomenal. How do I know so much? Because I went through the process. I did it myself. It was painless. It was fantastic. And I am reaping the benefits of getting my hairline back thanks to Doc Linville. You can get all the information you need without ever spending a dime or committing to anything because you're a listener to ESPN 97.5. All you got to do is go to 975hair.com and book an appointment to try and have a consultation with Doc Linville and his staff. When you book that appointment, you will have that consultation. Ask all the questions. Get all the answers. See if it's right for you, too. It was right for me. It was right for Granado. We could not be happier with the procedure. And Doc Linville and his staff are happy to explain it so that maybe it would be right for you, too. Big thing that got me, 95 to 99% of the follicles that he's going to move are going to stay, grow, get longer, stronger, be with you for the long haul. That was all I needed to hear. It was a no-brainer for me. It might be the same for you. Check him out today. Go to 975hair.com and go see the best in the business. Go see Doc Linville. Broadcasting live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, deep inside the secret bee cave, it's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. He's Blank, on Branham. Uh, 8029, I bet the first segment's going to be how Branham says I told you so about Will Levis. I'm not that kind of guy. I, I wouldn't do that. I'm not going to gloat about one single game. I mean, it was just it's just one game. We're not going to go nuts about one single game. Uh, Marcus Mariota threw four touchdowns in the very first – actually, threw five, I think, uh, in the first game he ever played. We know how the Mariota story turned out. We're not going to gloat about Will true? Levis on the show. Yeah, he had at least four. I want to say it was five. There's been two quarterbacks – Two rookie quarterbacks in the history of the league that have thrown for four touchdowns in their first game. I think Mariota was five, but it might have been four, but I think it was five. And the other one was Fran Tarkenton. But we're not gonna we're not gonna gloat about Levis. We're not gonna I mean it's just only one game. We know the careers are not made in one game. Uh, I thought the Titans did a lot of dink and dunk stuff, and then they took advantage of Levis' strong arm. Teams are gonna game plan for him. They're gonna have a better idea of what to do to counter that elite right arm. But we're not gonna gloat about Levis in one performance. We're not gonna do that on that show on this show. Uh seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Let's go back to the uh HRP listener line though. Javier wants to talk about the, the Texans performance yesterday. Javier, what's on your mind? You're in the hive. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, definitely have agreed with everything that y'all said. Definitely way too much trying to force him to run. I definitely agree with what uh, Joe George had to say, that we need to use Tank Dell as a deep threat in that game like we used him in uh, Jacksonville. Also, what I noticed more than ever was that uh, CJ was getting a lot of passes batted down, but he can definitely work on that. And I think one thing that maybe could have also made a difference uh, – was that I think D'Amico should have gone for that long field goal, you know, because putting an extra three points on the board, they would have had to go all the way down to try to score the touchdown instead of just, you know, you know, run the clock out, getting within field goal range, and then stupid penalty mm-hmm. during that field goal. But I'll let y'all take it from here. Thanks, guys. I thought it was close on that. That was the one after the delay a game, too, which is even more yeah, frustrating because yeah. you don't get a delay a game there. I, I, I think you kicked the field goal. That was right on the cusp of the range. Um I could go either way on that. I don't think it's one that I'm going to bash D'Amico over because it was a low-scoring game. The defense is outperforming the offense, and in those types of games, I'm doing whatever is in the best interest of my defense. Uh, so 
kind of six one way, half a dozen the other. The part that stings about that, though, is the delay of game. The, the delay of game, yeah. Which, look, do you need to be quicker to the line? Do you need to get the snap off faster? Yes, that's 100% true. That stuff needs to happen. I've seen far worse oh, not be say, called delay of game. I lived it because of the fact that they let Princess Rogers do it <laughs> all the time in Green Bay and get away with it. And he had a legit argument when he went to the referee cj did Mm -hmm. and tried to explain hey look i got it right at zeros that's supposed to be okay and i thought he was they were legit right in that because like you said we've seen across the league more egregious uh let go for that penalty and that really did that was the difference maker i have no doubt in my mind if they don't get to delay a game that he's going for the field goal and then he's he second guessed it because of how long it was going to be however Fairbairn's numbers are pretty damn good, 50-plus. Yeah. His longest is 61, I think. I wonder what the wind was doing there. And, and they said that uh, the the punter, Johnston, he, that he had a 75-yard punt going the same direction with yeah. the same wind, so you would think that might even help him. But Cam Johnson's elite. Boy, he's unbelievable. <laughs> Cam Johnson is one of my top five favorite things to watch with that the Texans. That is a So how long man. of a field goal would it have been? Would have been 58 after the penalty. Mm. 58 after the penalty when your defense is winning you the game? Well, the field goal is going to be the key, right? If they needed a touchdown, you might try it. But you try that, and it's the field goal difference, and you give them field position like that if yeah. you miss. That's what yeah. makes it tough. I probably I lean punt there because because of the game that it was. Like You're, you're putting the, the game in the hands of your defense. Go win me this football game. And, and they, they very easily could have won that football game. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. Uh, your thoughts on your biggest takeaway from the Texans game yesterday. 713 713- Eight zero three seven seven six. One of the one of the brilliant things that Jose Jorge said that Javier agreed with uh, was about what they were doing. Carolina was in coverage. You saw a lot of Carolina doing what Atlanta did, what New Orleans did, where you're in obvious passing situations where they're dropping seven or eight in coverage, and they're not entirely worried about their rush. In fact, several times you see the defensive tackle like try for the initial rush if he realizes that it's not there. He's taking a step back and trying to play the passing lanes. And we saw a couple of times whenever he got batted down. I've seen Stroud take some heat for this where he's like staring down his receivers. That's what's leading to it. Maybe some of that has, has something to do with it, but it's also the the style and the scheme of what the defense is doing against the Texans. We know, like if, if I'm playing C.J. Stroud and I'm playing the Texans, what am I going to do on a third down and seven? I'm not blitzing because Stroud's great against the blitz. I'm going to send three or four into, into pressure, and I'm dropping everybody back in coverage. I'm dropping seven, I'm dropping eight. Because we know that Stroud's going to either try to get rid of the football quickly, so I'm not really worried too much about the pass rush. He doesn't really stay in the pocket for a long time, I think it's because he had PTSD being sacked 11 times in two games so he's trying to be real quick and real precise with the ball so when he drops seven eight in coverage you're you're making it more difficult for Stroud to throw you're making the windows he has to throw into much much smaller and as a defense you're not worried about Stroud just sitting there waiting 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 because right now CJ Stroud's throwing it quick doesn't want to get sacked I think for the Texans going forward and Bobby Slowick, and they should have already known this before the game yesterday because they've seen it against Atlanta. They've seen it against New Orleans. They saw it again yesterday. I think that Stroud has to be more patient in those situations. And I know it's difficult because he got sacked 11 times mm-hmm. in the first two games because he's had a patchwork offensive line early in his career. But if they're dropping 7-8 in coverage, nothing's going to be open initially. And they're not going to play man-to-man against C.J. Stroud because he'll pick you apart. So you're seeing 7-8, and eight, dropping back, playing zone, forcing C.J. Stroud, and, and they know he's going to throw it quick. 
I think Stroud in those moments has to be a little bit more patient, let the routes develop a little bit more, and might even go like a little bit of scramble drill where it's like, okay, nothing's open here because you're dropping eight in coverage. Go scramble drill. Go get open. I will yeah, find you, gotta, you. Almost backyard style. you got to go off script, right, a little bit because you know that we, we knew it was inevitable they were going to get tape on the Texans. And regardless of what the tendencies were, defenses were going to see it. Now we've seen it, as you mentioned, multiple times by multiple teams that this is the way that they feel like they can beat the Houston Texans. But the same way that he was doing it when he was getting that heavy rush and getting sacked 11 times is exactly what you have to plan for and actually strategically execute before you even feel the rush or not, and that is you got to move the pocket. That is, he's got to be a little bit more mobile. He's got to slide. He's got to step up. He's got to do some things so that the initial pocket, is whether it's there or not, that's where the initial rush is going to come from. It buys you a little extra time, and then he's got to work on doing some things differently because what he has been used to doing all season long is going to be taken away from him, and you adjust. I think he can throw the long ball more. I was surprised that they weren't going to try it a few more times because I felt like they had an obvious speed advantage on the outside, and I thought that the ball was not that poorly thrown to Nico Collins, and the receivers got their feet tangled up. But the, See, this, I thought he stumbled. Like, eventually he got tangled up. I thought he was stumbling before that. I think he might have gotten off stride a little bit, but definitely then when they got their feet tangled up, it took his attention away from the ball in the air because I still think he possibly could have gotten a hand on it. It wasn't that far away from him. But I think with Tank and the way Tank was used early, I think that you saw the, how explosive he could be, that that could have been exploited a little bit more down the field. Yeah. But that's something that they're obviously going to have to work on, you know, from from yesterday th- See, at the end of the game till next week. I'm a fan of the shot plays. Period. Like the Nico one was close, no cigar. Uh, you had the other one where he kind of threw cross body across the field to Nico late, which was a dangerous throw. Yes, it was. Um, I think a lot of them not calling shot plays is the fact that they're dropping tons into coverage. So okay, shot play first and ten. Then like you have tried. to get a little creative on. If, like if you know they're going to drop eight in coverage on third and seven, and you're scared to go shot play on a third and seven, cool. Go a little first and 10 play, action shot play. Like, I, I think that you could see – I mean, C.J. Stroud talked about it after the game. He said, we could be taking a little bit more shots. And he was like, eh, I don't want to like talk about Slowick here. I'm not pointing at one individual person, but I want to take more shots. Uh, 713-780-3776. two over 15, 20 yards. That sounds about right. Now, uh, the one tip ball counts, but that was on the tip where he, re, he reestablished and got, I think, 20 on the sideline. Oh, the, the Noah Brown? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But other than that, I don't think they tried, you know, a whole lot of plays over 15, 20 yards with the exception of the two deep balls. Yeah, they, they really didn't. And it's because they're dropping everybody into coverage most of the time. But get creative on when you try it. 713-780-3776. Let's go out to the HRMP listener line. Lamont, you're in the high with the bees. What's up, Lamont? Hey, what's the deal, fellas? Uh, hey, man, uh, uh, Jeremy, uh, I really, in the uh, intro, man, I really like to... The commentary, man, uh, pretty much uh, describing everything, man. But let me, enough of the chatter, you know, like stuff. Uh, <laughs> I, I looked at that game yesterday, and I don't know what has happened to the city of Houston because I, I'm, I'm from the days of Houston, of Ryan Moats, uh, Duke Johnson, uh, what's the other garbage to uh, run his back? Uh, uh, what's his name? Africa Blue. Uh, 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 all of that trash. We used to go at the running backs, but now the, the, the city of Houston is so. And, 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 and I'm not saying, I'm not saying that the offensive line of world beaters and they're doing a job, but it, it it just seems like the conversation has changed. Instead of calling these running backs crap, uh, now we're uh, uh, pretty much putting it all on the offensive line, and they could be playing a part. But 
I'm, I'm of the mindset that these running backs are crap. Yeah. At the end of the day, I just don't think that Houston has the horses right now. I think it's all coming in the end. Um, I think that that, that Pierce do, uh, everybody likes him because he gives you a good sound bite. He do Southern boy job talking. Everybody is all happy about that. And, and he was the he was the corn colonel on the pile of doo last year. So he stands out and he looks good, man. But at the end of the day, that dude ain't good. That dude, I, yeah, I said it. He's not good. Uh, uh, I think he's an overhyped big mouth. I don't think any of these running backs are good. Now, uh, I really wish the Texans would. It, it appears that New York right now, the Giants is uh, pretty much going to get ready and go through a five sale. Uh, I will try to do what I have to do to get Saquon Barkley. That's, that's saying if, if the Texans got their mindset set on uh, uh, playoffs, uh, uh, I would uh, try to make a deal like that. But if they're trying to just uh, see where they're at, then, you know, just ride them out. But the only thing I'm going to say at the end of the day, all I'm going to say at the end of the day that those running backs that we have right now, uh, I give a little bit more leeway to see the carry, but I don't think Pierce is a dude. He yeah. was a good dude on the team that slept last year. That's all I have. Appreciate it, Lamont. Thanks, Lamont. Look, Singletary is a complimentary back. He wasn't he wasn't brought in to be the bell cow. Singletary's got talent. He's got talent catching the football. He can be elusive when he gets outside. But he's not supposed to be the guy that pounds the ball, you know, in the middle of the line every play, though he has shown glimpses of being able to when he when he we use that kind of offset term to offset the power game of Pierce. But when he's come into the game previously, he's gotten more yards and been more effective than Pierce. I think that maybe Lamont's right in the fact that Pierce was a little overvalued coming off of last season when all they could do was run the football, and they found a way to run the football. Now, he was only a fourth-round pick, so it's not like you're paying him a ton of money or anybody anointed him a superstar. Last year, he was your best offensive player. Now, this year, with a new system, with a new coordinator, with a new staff, and a, and a new way, a, a playbook, it, it changed. And, and you've mentioned, Jeremy was the first to mention the fact that maybe he's not the right fit for this offense. I think that Boone can play. I said that, and we were talking about it before the show, too. I think Boone deserves more touches. Singletary, we said a couple weeks ago, deserves more touches. I don't think anything is, has dispelled anybody from thinking the fact that he needs to get some more touches. And then you just have to figure out, Pierce can be a change, a change of pace back and can pound it more, but there's none of the three running backs are, are going to be misconstrued for a superstar anytime soon. No, I, I think the launch on to something. It's a combination of all of that. The offensive line, I don't think, is a great run-blocking offensive line. Uh, I don't think that the scheme is conducive for Damian Pierce's style. Uh, Zone-blocking scheme, I don't think, is good for Damian Pierce. It, it is better suited for, for Devin Singletary. Mike Boone, I don't know a whole lot about yet. He's looked good in very, very limited size, but is that because the defense is expecting pass when Mike Boone's in the game? Like, I'd like to see more of Mike Boone. Uh, give him six, seven carries to see what it looks like. Yeah, the only way to find out is to keep... Keep him right. toting the rock. It's a, it's the Devin Singletary conversation with Mike Boone. Now, to Lamont's point, if you look at the talent in the running back room versus the talent around the league and other teams' running back rooms, are Texas top twenty five? Like they're they're probably a bottom seven, bottom five talent running back room in the entire NFL. Uh, I, I'm not interested in trading for Saquon Barkley. I think it's going to cost a lot, and he costs a lot. Uh, someone texted in said, uh, "What about Dalvin Cook?" Um, you know, single year. Try to see if there's it's, something there. I don't see. I don't see Nick Casario being aggressive at the deadline. It's though. a Dalton Schultz type deal, depending on what you have to give up to get him. If, if, if I, they, I don't think it would cost much. That's what I'm saying. If it doesn't cost much, he's looking to reinvent himself to prove he deserves another contract, whether it be from you or somebody else, to where he's going to come in and, and be happy he escaped uh, a place where he wasn't going to be able to show his wares and it wasn't going anywhere. 
And, and if he gets an opportunity to carry the football and try and resurrect his career, it could be the best thing for both parties. 713-780-ESPN-HRNP listener line. Uh, a lot of people saying that uh, John Gernard's success is because of Will Anderson. Are we buying that? And John Gernard versus Will Anderson. I, I tweeted yesterday that John Gernard... I actually just tweeted a question. Is John Gennard better than Will Anderson? And people lost their minds. Is John Gennard better than Will Anderson? 713-780-ESPN, the HRP listener line. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. I've been working out lately, even on a cold, rainy day. I'm looking good, aren't I? Uh, iron 24 Fitness and Recovery is helping me out. I'm, I'm pumped up for this, and I've been pumping iron these last couple of weeks. Because like many of you, I haven't really focused on myself. I haven't prioritized myself Uh, but that's over thanks to iron 24 fitness and recovery it's the perfect kind of gym for me i think it's perfect for you too 24 7 access which is great because you can get a lift in whenever you want Uh, i'm not a big fan on contracts i'm not a big fan on hidden fees i don't like dealing with people as many of you probably know i don't want a gym tour i don't want a sales call and i don't have to worry about any of that with Iron 24 Fitness and Recovery because it's 100% digital. Every Iron 24 facility has everything you need, from free weights to machines, any cardio you need, it's ideal. Tons of space, everything you need to get a good workout in without people bothering you. Iron 24 Fitness Recovery with four locations around Houston. More opening soon. I belong to the one in Conroe. Couple in Pearland, one in Lake Jackson, Magnolia, Sugarland. They're enrolling now, so get in on that. Another great perk is that members get universal 24-7 access to any location. If I find my Myself in Lake Jackson, well, I can pop in there and get a lift in. For a limited time, participating Iron 24 locations are offering new member ESPN listeners two weeks free with zero down when they join with the Iron 24 app. Go to iron24.com slash ESPN, iron24.com slash ESPN, and get started today with Iron 24 Fitness and Recovery. You're back where you belong, in the Veritex Community Bank Studios with the killer bees who won't sting you unless provoked. Here's Joel and Jeremy. He's blank on Brandon. We'll get to John Gernard, Will Anderson conversation in just a moment. I can't wait for this All-22 to come out today because the Texans had, what, six sacks against Bryce Young, which I think Will Anderson was, he assisted on all of them, right? The Texans would have had zero sacks if Will Anderson didn't grace the Texans with his presence on the field. Will Anderson's responsible for every sack the Houston Texans have had this season is how people were talking about Will Anderson. All this attention that Anderson draws. I just watched a quick glance some of these sacks that the Texans had against Bryce Young. Will Anderson didn't lead to these sacks. I cannot wait for the All-22 to come out. I know what I'm going to be looking for when I watch this All-22. Did Will Anderson contribute to any of these six sacks against Bryce Young. And I know he almost had one. He He almost had one. When does he not almost have one? Will Anderson leads the world in almost sacks. You look up almost sacks on the next-gen stats. You go look at almost sacks on pro football reference. Go look at almost sacks wherever you can find almost sacks. You know who's going to be at the top of the list of these almost sacks? Will Anderson Jr. If there was a stat called sack assists, you know, he's drawing attention, he's drawing you know, blocking assignments, he's almost getting to the quarterback, he's forcing the quarterback to slide in the pocket, allowing for somebody else to get a sack. You know who would lead in sack assist? Will Anderson would lead in sack assist. I've literally heard more stats this year that I've never heard of in my life because of Will Anderson. I'm halfway expecting there to be this expected, 
weighted sack stat like we hear in baseball. And I, now I know how people feel whenever I start, I start talking about expected WOBA. Like, I, now I know. I think that it, this was like karma. Now I know what it's like to hear somebody talk about expected numbers. I know what Dusty Baker was saying whenever he doesn't care about ex, like exit hits or he, cares, or he doesn't care about exit velocity. Awesome, he cares yeah. about exit hits. I get it. I don't need to know about expected sacks. You know what I want? I want sacks. And I'm tired of people saying, oh, Will Anderson was responsible for John Grenard having all this. Is he? Is he? I'm putting that to the test. I'm checking out that theory as soon as that all 22 drops. I don't understand why like people have to – I don't know if they're panicking, so they're excuse-making for Will Anderson because the production's not there. Like it's, it's his rookie year. It's not the end of the world if he can't get to the to the quarterback right away. Like, look at like Kayvon Thibodeau is the is the perfect example. He had four sacks last year in fourteen games. Everyone said right away, bust, 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 bust. It's week nine, and he has eight and a half sacks this season. Like, it doesn't mean it's forever going to be like this. So, like, I don't know why there has to be so many excuses when the matter of fact is he's just not getting to the you, quarterback. You know why, though, Joe. Because, one, you're going to have the blue Kool-Aid drinking Texans fans that are coming out like pass-blocking offensive linemen that says, don't you dare say a single word about one of our high draft picks. And the other thing is the trade. Because of the trade and because of the fact that they gave up something to get him while they already had one high pick, Everybody is going to be on the defensive no matter what to say that this guy is going to be just fine. He is exactly who we thought he was going to be and that he is going to develop over time into being, you know, a dominant defensive football player. Yeah, but like, what are you defending? Like, you're not defending Nick Casario anymore because Jake Laser made it clear this weekend that the Texans were taking Bryce Young when they tried to trade with the Chicago Bears. Yeah. But, like, they didn't – the Bears backed out and went with the Panthers. Yeah, that whole, like, story was weird, though. I, I believe that that happened because, like, we heard rumors that they were involved with pick number one. But it said that they had a deal in place – and then Ryan Poles didn't like the offer that was presented. Like, how can it be both right. things? Think, how do you like the deal in place, but you don't like the offer that was presented? I think those, DJ, are, those are contradicting things. Yeah, I think DJ Moore got put into the equation late, and yeah. that's what changed everything. So somebody just outbid it on maybe. But then you yeah. don't say that you had a deal in place, and then you didn't, and then you didn't like it. You say. Hey, we got a late offer. We couldn't refuse. We couldn't refuse. It was like when the Beltron deal with the Astros and the Mets. Hey, we had a deal in principle and we agreed upon it. But last minute, here comes the Mets and they offered more. If I'm the general manager, it's in my it's my job responsibilities to get what the best deal I can, and that's a better deal. See the the yeah, I mean, but the, the, I think the defensive Anderson's how you defend a player that you really want to be good. Sure, like you do this, it's across every sport. Like we see it sometimes with the Rockets. Like you've been critical on Jalen Green. People don't like to hear that because they like Jalen Green. Uh, same thing with like Jabari Smith. Well, you really want to like Jabari Smith. You don't want to hear people say that he shouldn't be shooting fadeaway jumpers in the middle of the paint over a six three point guard. So, like, you defend players that you want to be good. So that's why you hear about pass rush win rate for the first time literally ever. That's why you hear about average distance away from the quarterback when they threw the football for the first time ever. You know when you, you know how you wouldn't be hearing those numbers if Will he Anderson was, had six sacks. Seven, yep. If Will Anderson yep. had six sacks and led all rookies in sacks, you know what would be the first thing people would say? He leads the NFL in rookie sacks. But you don't want to bring that up whenever John Grenard has six sacks and Will Anderson has one. You don't want to bring that up when John Grenard has eight tackles for a loss and Will Anderson has three. You don't want to bring that up whenever John Grenard has ten quarterback hits and Will Anderson has eight. So you start to kind of I'm not going to say 
say that these stats are make-believe because they're not, even though it's the first time I've ever heard them. Expected weighted sack, whatever, if that's an actual number. But you start to defend the player that you really, really want to be good. And this, like to Joe's point, like I still think Will Anderson's going to be a good football mm-hmm. player. I'm just sick and tired yeah. of hearing all these random stats that I haven't heard of before 2023. But can I ask you guys, is part of it, and I don't know, the legit, I have not studied the tape that in depth, to say that I know the answer to this, yeah. but could part of it be because you have seen early on Will Anderson's ability to disrupt an offense and to do things? I think it was more early than recently. That the attention yeah. was there, so Grenard has more freedom to do what he's been able to do. I, I can't wait for the, the All-22 to drop today because I'm going to go Mythbusters on it. Because this is, look, I, I, I don't like to sit here and talk about how I watch every single play, but I watch every single play sure, and I watch them, I watch them but I, it's, it's not my style. But I don't. I like I don't like do it to like toot my own horn, but I watch every single play. I go watch the all twenty two. I can see Will Anderson on every single play, and to say that he is the reason that John Grenard has six sacks on the year is flat out disrespectful to John Grenard. Like this isn't even a oh Will Anderson is he's getting all of this undeserved praise. Like, start giving John Grenard some flowers. Like, we talked about John Grenard last year as a guy who can get to double-digit yep. sacks if he can stay healthy. He didn't. He's in a contract year. John Grenard's playing his tell-off, and people are saying, oh, yeah, John Grenard's he, numbers are because of Will Anderson. Get out of here with he that. He has another sack if he doesn't get the, the unfortunate face mask. He was there. He was right on top of Bryce Young. And then, unfortunately, he caught the, the face mask in the side of the helmet, or he might have one more. I mean, look, we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, too, even when he didn't get all the way home and we were saying they got to get home more, he was still being disruptive. He was still getting into the backfield. He was still getting guys for tackle for loss, and he was all over the football field. That's the kind of play that you want and expect out of both guys because of what you've already seen from Grenard and because what you've been told and what you saw at Alabama and what you've been, you know, the the in-depth stats are supposed to be telling you about what Will Anderson is, is supposed to be as a Texan. Now, Will Anderson is a talented football player. He's got all the tools, but it is his first year in the league. It may take some time. Yeah. To Joe's point, I'm not trying to say he's a bust, but there is a level of concern when every week you're hearing about the ifs, buts, candies, nuts, when you really want to see the substance of saying this is a dude that's doing something. My my other favorite one, and they're doing this with Jalen Green. I saw it during the game last night where it's like Jalen Green's stats in his first 145 games versus Steph Curry. As people keep doing that with J.J. Watt, they show J.J. Watt's like first X amount of games versus Will Anderson's first X amount of games, and like suddenly it's like, wait, are you trying to say that Will Anderson's eventually going to be J.J. Watt, or are you just trying to that much defend the fact that he's just not Some producing guys slow. to yeah. the level that you want him to. But at least that's tangible. Like, at least that's tangible. That amount of tangible stuff through X amount of games or yeah. through somebody's age. Like, the whole, oh, he's this far away from the quarterback. Cool. Who was, who was blocking him? Who was the quarterback? How much time did he have to throw? What's the down and distance? Like, all this stuff drives me nuts. Gary, we'll get to you on the other side. Uh, John Grenard or Will Anderson, who's a better football player right now? Is that blasphemy to say and do you believe do you buy into this logic that will anderson's responsible for every single sack the houston texans ever have because everybody's focused on will anderson 713-780-3776 it's the killer bees on espn 97.5 and espn 92.5 look the roadways are a little bit wet today uh, don't want it to happen to you never but you might get into a car accident the numbers go up when there's some water on the roadways and if you do get into that accident you already know what to do you need to call hollingsworth law firm
Yeah, you sure do. Jeremy's absolutely right. Because here's the thing. You don't just want a wide-ranging law firm that does a lot of different things but doesn't really specialize in one. You want someone like the Hollingsworth Law Firm that specializes in car accidents. That is their specialty. Because when you are in a car wreck, you want someone that not only is in your corner fighting for you 100% of the time right from the very jump, which is what they're going to do, but you want the experience of knowing they've been there, done that, they do it better than anybody else, and that's what Hollingsworth, the Hollingsworth Law Firm does. They specialize in car wrecks. They specialize and they prioritize getting you what you deserve, getting you and your health back to 100%, your vehicle back to 100%, and getting you compensated fairly from the insurance company and or the other driver for what was taken from you in the accident. Don't let these insurance companies run over you, and you don't have to worry about anything, too, when it comes to dollars and cents because you don't pay anything until you win with Hollingsworth Law Firm. Call right now, 713-999-8773, 713-999-8773 for your free consultation, or just visit them online, carwrecktexas.com. That's carwrecktexas.com. Time to get back to sports school with the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. NFL game balls at the top of the hour. we got to hand out some game balls for what was a beautiful week eight in the NFL. Uh, I'm starting to think, you know, there was the SI jinx. There was the Madden curse. What else comes to mind when you think of jinxes? Branham foot and mouth is a real thing. Anytime I say something, the opposite always happens. No, 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 no. Every time, no. not not every time, not every time. But uh, Branham foot and mouth is a real thing. There, what what are the best jinxes in sports? Uh, because I'm starting to find another one. The most the re- most recent one that everybody one. pays attention to is the the Madden. The Madden the one, Madden yeah. curse is the biggest one. I would say. SI used to be up there. Uh, the curse of the Bambino. Sure. Curse of the Billy Goat. I'm starting to think a Joe Jinx is real. We'll get into that a little bit later. This is tough. We'll get into I, that later. I saw this on the rundown today. Yeah, and I, I mean, just, it, I, I can make a compelling case for, and I will make that compelling case at 4.15. It's tough. Uh, Mailbag Monday, you get to ask us whatever you want to ask us at 4.30, and then we're going to give C.J. Stroud a game grade for his performance against the Panthers yesterday. Um, Snow Black on Twitter, hearing the uh, media gloat about Will Anderson's advanced stats is pretty pathetic. I'm with you guys. Uh, that's Lamont. That's Lamont. I, yeah. I know who it was. Oh. Okay. Yeah, but he had called earlier, so I was trying to I mix was, it up a uh, little bit. You see, yeah. Well, he gets yeah. banned from Twitter Chess, so much. Ch- he does get banned from Twitter a so lot. So it's hard to know which one's yeah. him. That was, I was trying to play a trick on the listeners there, Joe George, but thanks for screwing that up. Hey, Not Joe only Jinx. is there a Joe Jinx, but there is a Joe... Bit Yeah, there you go. A bit ruiner as well. Uh, King of Twitch on the uh, Twitch. Uh, where else would he be? He says, uh, King, uh, he says, sacks about above replacement. There's another like advanced yeah. baseball number that people like to point to. It's like, yeah, I'm getting sick and tired of these Will Andersons. Oh, he was responsible for this. He's responsible for that. He's drawing so much attention here. He's drawing so much attention there. Win rate, average distance from the quarterback, expected sacks percentage. We need, we need to have a bit. What's a real next-gen stat and what's not a real next-gen well, stat? But, and the thing is, is, is even if you can say that he got extra attention, that he's been getting extra attention, so it's preventing him from getting home and getting more sacks, the fact of the matter is, if you're being compared to some of the greats, if you're being compared to the J.J. Watts or the Lawrence Taylors or the guys that have done it better than just about anybody else, those guys still got home. 
They took double teams on, and they still got to the quarterback, and they still wreaked havoc and blew up offenses and yeah. were game changers. And it's not even a knock on Anderson because I, no. I like to what you said and to what uh, what what Joe said as well. Hip hip or hey, like you're not supposed to grade Will Anderson based on seven games of his, if in his NFL career. Pass rushers sometimes take a little bit of time to, to develop. And maybe some of the best ones don't. But like J.J. Watt, I think, had five sacks in his, in his rookie year. And I'm not comparing Will Anderson to J.J. Watt. I'm just telling you sometimes it takes some guys a little bit longer to rack up those numbers. For whatever reason, maybe they get into a better scheme, which the scheme's not going to change here. Maybe they get better overall talent amongst the defensive line. Although it's kind of weird that the guy playing on the other side of the defensive line has six sacks to, to his one and hasn't had one since week one of the NFL season. So this isn't a knock on Anderson. This is a knock on people creating these metrics and numbers for us to think of Will Anderson on a little bit better of a scale. It's a, it's a defensive narrative. They're, they're, and they're, it's, I think it's a false narrative, too. Yeah. And that's why I can't wait for the All-22. Because like the idea that, that offenses are game planning what they're doing on the offensive line for Will Anderson, like some of, sometimes you are. But how many times did you see Will Anderson get double-teamed yesterday? How many times did you see him take a tight end chip? How many times did you see the running back playing to his side of the line? Who was over the left tackle? yesterday more than not so I believe that this narrative we're hearing of Will Anderson's drawing all of this attention I believe it to be false yeah I think that the biggest thing too is that there's nothing wrong with being a slow starter I mean you know you come out early you're getting adjusted to playing in the new league with all these grown-ass men that are doing things a little differently and and some guys adjust quickly and some guys it takes a little time and for everyone like Aiden Hutchinson that just came out of the gates and blew everybody away there are going to be guys that take a little bit longer to fully get comfortable in a new system, in a new city, doing all the things that he's doing. It's not to say that he's not going to turn out to be a damn good football player. But right now, call it like you see it. It is what it is. And what you see is the fact that here's a guy that's a, an athletic specimen that's a hell of a football player, but just isn't getting home at this point in his career. And I think it's coming. I think it's coming. I'm just tired of the excuses. Six nine and, I, and the false narrative that I'm going to try to myth bust. Uh, six nine two seven sacks OPS plus. Is that a real stat or a fake stat? Sacks OPS plus. It's a fake, fake stat. Send yeah. by a texter. Yeah. Uh, Thirty sixty two average upfield distance on passing downs. That sounds like it could be real. Average upfield. I've never heard of it before, but I'm so hearing numbers that I've never heard of before. That's almost getting home. That's that's almost X. Right? Like you can yeah. kind of like you can layman's terms all of this like average upfield. Di- that's not a real stat. I don't think. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Average upfield distance on passing downs isn't one I heard of. Uh, you do hear win rate, right? Yep. Uh, defensive lineman versus offensive lineman win rate, higher win rate. You're better. Uh, you hear about. You know the, the traditional stats: pressures, sacks, quarterback hits, tackles for loss. The next gen stats: you talk about average distance from the quarterback at the time that they throw. Like all of these, you add up. You know what it equals? It equals almost X. Is what it equals. Do they do they chart double teams? I believe there's a couple. Websites I believe that, that there's okay. like double team percentage. Yeah. yeah, but like double team percentage can be a little nuanced too. Because like a double team, now you're talking about a tight end chip that's running a route. Now you're talking about or a back. running back chipping yeah. and running yep. out. Now you're talking about a running back that's pass protecting. Like I, I believe, like I'm a. I'm a numbers guy. Mm-hmm. I believe in analytics. I believe in that stuff. I love data. I love information. I think when you start applying it to football you're going to be so misguided. Like, I saw one today. It was about the Texans' wide receivers. The average 
distance, the average separation by yards. So, like, three yards is, like, the average. Okay, cool. Well, who's defending you? Is a linebacker defending you? Is a safety defending you? Is the top corner in the league defending you? So, all of these numbers are incredibly nuanced. This goes back, though, to what I was telling you guys when we were talking about this as it relates to other sports and the same thing. And in particular, it was at baseball at the time. But... There's always going to be a way that you can manipulate a stat or find or create a stat in some cases to back up your argument. I mean, or to support your player. So, you know, if you're going to say that a guy is going to be your future on defense, well, then the pros are going to the people that are to, that are totally behind that are going to try and do all this other stuff as well or find this other stuff and use it because you need to justify this guy's going to be okay. As opposed to just calling what you see. Call it if you see it on the on the screen. Call it if you go back and watch the game on tape. Call what you see and say, hey, look, he's not getting home, but I'm still been impressed by the way he gets off the football or the way he sheds blockers. You both things can be true. He's not getting home, but he's still he's he's making a difference to some degree on the defensive side of the ball. But then at the end of the day, at a certain point, you do have to believe. Or, and you have to see that he does actually get some sacks, tackles for losses, and gets into the backfield more. I need to see more traditional numbers. Yeah, I think like the other thing, too, is it's not like the team had zero sacks yesterday. And Will Anderson, exactly. The team had six sacks. He had zero. And, like, and he should have had one, one but there was yeah. a penalty. You know, like, you, no, almost sack, yeah. Almost sack for Will. I mean, that one, it's, that's tough because it's not like the other almost sacks. He actually got I mean, the if sack. there wasn't a defensive holding, does Bryce Young get rid of the football? Good Fair point. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah. again, very nuanced, now, these almost sacks. But the thing is, too, like even for the people that just watch the game on over-the-air television, they don't record it. They don't go back and look like we do. And it's hard on over-the-air television it is. ever. But remember what we've said in the past. Grenard stood out right away last week even that yeah. he was still getting – he was always in the backfield. He was all around the play. I'll tell you who stood out to me yesterday – was Malik Collins? Was Malik good. Collins was all over the football field yesterday. Yes, he also got a traditional. He got he was in the traditional stat category with sacks. Mm-hmm. But even on the plays that he wasn't, even if you only watched the game once and you were just watching it on your couch while it was unfolding live, you saw a dude that was making a difference on the defensive side of the football. You, a lot of times, we have to be told what Will Anderson did in a football game. Grenard yesterday, he had the two and a half sacks, but he hit the quarterback four times. Malik Collins, to your point, had the two sacks. He hit the quarterback three times. You know how many times Will Anderson hit the quarterback yesterday? Zero. No, zero. None. Zilch. Not at all. Like, cool average distance, cool win rate, cool, you know, exit Woba sack, cool exit velo on the snap for a defensive end, uh, cool average upfield distance on passing yards, uh, cool sacks OPS plus, cool sacks above replacement. Get to the quarterback. Touch the quarterback. For goodness sakes, just touch him. That's all I want you, Will Anderson, to do is touch a quarterback, a bitty-itty quarterback. And, of course, you're going to be told it's going to happen. I fully believe it's going to happen. But until it does, and it does more frequently, it's fair to have this kind of critique of a guy that was drafted that highly in the draft, regardless of the trade. Yeah, that's the other thing of it. 713-780-3776. All right, let's hand out some NFL game balls. Who shined in week eight of the NFL season? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.